Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Sorry I uh, kept you a little bit long yesterday on the podcast. I got carried away a bit, and I went a little bit over time, so sorry about that. We're in uh, Mark chapter 15 today, and we are, Lord willing, going to finish this second to the last chapter, the penultimate chapter in the book of Mark. And we're in verse number 42. Jesus has died. There are some faithful women that have stayed here until the very end. And they're witnessing this among the mocking and the jeering. Uh, they're witnessing this scene. But it's not all mocking and jeering. We, we saw the testimony of a centurion who was the lead guard at that place who testified that this truly was the Son of God. And there's somebody else now that comes into the story who is introduced here. Very interesting character. Verse number 42. And now when the even was come. So remember, Jesus was on the cross. He, about the ninth hour, remember, was when he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And remember as well that uh, after that, Jesus thirsted and it is finished and Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. All of that takes place. So sometime about maybe four o'clock, maybe between three and four o'clock, somewhere in there, Jesus died. Now, what's important to remember is that this is, in my view, Friday, Thursday night was Passover. It's Friday. You say, well, I thought Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. Well, in the Jewish reckoning of time, any part of a day or a night counted as a day and night. So I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any problem with three days and three nights in the grave, even with a Friday death. But I'm not going to get into that argument right now. The point is that because uh, Jesus died in the afternoon, he had to be buried by sunset. So it was important that they got these criminals off the cross so that they could be in a tomb before sunset. So time was of the essence. Look at verse number 42. And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath. So when's the Sabbath? Well, begins on Friday night at sunset and lasts till Saturday night at sunset. So before the Sabbath, they had to get this done. And evening time was coming quickly. So time was of the essence. And watch what happens in verse number 43. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, that's really a reference to the fact that he was on the council. He was a respected council member. Interesting, is it not, that here's somebody from the religious elite. Here's somebody that had status and importance and no doubt riches because council members were typically people that were well off, but somebody who believed on Jesus, somebody that honored him, and maybe he was a kind of a closet follower, a shadow follower of Jesus, but a follower nonetheless. And now in these dark hours, in these last days, 
he is emboldened to stand for him, emboldened to argue for his body, as we shall see. Look at verse number 43. So Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God. So he had a pure heart. He was looking for the coming kingdom. And the implication is that he was believing the message of John the Baptist and the message of Jesus and looking for Jesus to be that Messiah. And now as Jesus' lifeless body uh, was there in front of him, he wanted to do something to honor uh, that body. And the Bible says that he came and went in boldly unto Pilate. So he had access, didn't he, to the Roman governor. That wouldn't be something that most people would have, that kind of access to the authority in Jerusalem. A million people in town, and yet Joseph has this access. He's in a strategic place to be able to do something about the body of the Lord. Now, it's interesting because the gospel involves the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. So there had to have been a tomb, uh, all of what the Bible prophesied. But how is this going to happen in real time? Well, we see how God is using this man. Previously, a man that had not been bold, a man that had been intimidated or cowardly about his association with Jesus, but now boldly goes in. He has this unused grave uh, that uh, is available. And we're seeing Bible prophecy unfold in real time as this man goes in and argues for the body of Jesus. Watch what happens in verse number 44, and calling unto, um, I'm sorry, verse number 43, he came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. That's a strong desire, argued for, pleaded for uh, the body of Jesus, wanted to honor that body. Now, to the Roman government, this is just a, a common criminal. Uh, he can be buried in a common grave. He can be disposed of, dispatched of. But to Joseph is arguing for the body of the Lord. And Pilate, the Bible says in verse 44, marveled if he were already dead. I mean, think about it. It had just been seven hours before that Pilate had rendered the final verdict uh, that Jesus had been led away from the judgment hall uh, to walk the Via Dolorosa, to be crucified. And uh, typically, a person could hang upon the cross for much longer than that. And Pilate was wondering, well, maybe this is some kind of a trick or a ruse that he watched the body of Jesus. Maybe he's trying to save him from off the cross. I want to verify, is he actually dead? Look at verse number 44. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion. Now, who's that? That's that same centurion about whom we spoke just the other day. That centurion that testified, this is the son of God. Truly. So now, as a corroborating witness, Pilate wants this centurion to come in and validate, did Jesus indeed die? Now, this is important. This is important because remember, there was a theory back in those days that the Jews came up with that, well, Jesus didn't really die. He just swooned and his disciples stole his body and re he revived. And this whole resurrection account isn't true. But here we have verifiable eyewitness account 
from the centurion himself, he did die. See it, verse number 44, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion. So when Pilate was was convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus did indeed die. This is important. It's a verified death, just as it was a verified burial. And may I add, it was a verified resurrection. That's Paul's whole case in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Jesus was seen of Peter and seen of uh, James and seen of the 12 and seen of over 500 at one time of whom many were still alive and seen of the apostle Paul. It was a verified death, a verified burial, a verified resurrection. And the Bible says in verse number 30, 45, and when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Then and only then did he release the body for burial. Look at verse number 46. And he, this is Joseph, bought fine linen and took him down. Now think about that. To remove the now lifeless body of the Lord from the cross. I mean, just think about the rawness of that. The the abused, beaten, bloodied body of the Lord. To remove those nails. To take that dead weight off of that cross to wrap that bloody body in fine linen, the Bible says. And he wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the, of the sepulcher. So he put him in that borrowed tomb, didn't he? Now, if you were to go to Israel with me, you know, I could take you to a spot called the garden tomb. Now, there's some that would argue that's not the spot, that could be the spot, that's the grave, it could be the grave. There's no definitive proof on it. But what a great reminder, what a great sight it is to remember that there was a tomb, maybe this one, or maybe one like this, where Jesus was laid that day, but only for a small period of time. And then up from that grave, he arose. Look at verse number 47. And Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. Seems like kind of a non sequitur verse to end the chapter. So Joseph did all of this, and yet who's tailing him? Who's watching? Who's helping these women? They had served him in life. They're going to serve him in death. They had been faithful in good times. They're being faithful in bad times. And they're marking the place where Jesus is laid. Why? Because they're going to continue to show faithfulness. They're going to continue to visit that tomb. They're going to continue to show their solidarity with him and his message. And in just a few short hours, we're going to find them right back at this tomb, and we're going to see something great happen. I think you know it, already know what it is, but we're going to wait until next episode and next chapter, our last chapter, to talk about it. So, Come with your Bible ready. Uh, Next episode, we'll look into Mark chapter 16 
and we'll see the, the, the great resurrection account that Mark includes for us in his gospel. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.